0: In 2010, I co-founded a company called Startup Grind with one goal, inspiring, educating, and connecting every entrepreneur on the planet. Today, Startup Grind is now in 125 countries and has millions of members. Along the way, I found the most powerful marketing tool of all time, customer-to-customer marketing. C2C Marketing empowers your greatest ambassadors, your customers, to evangelize your brand and grow your community. This is a podcast we wish we'd had when we started building our community a decade ago. Each episode, we talk to the brightest minds and companies on the planet to learn how they build their community and empower their customers. I'm your host, Derek Anderson, and this is the C2C Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is John Fry, the producer
1: for the C2C Podcast. I will be stepping in for Derek on today's episode. I'm really excited to have our next guest, Chris Anderson, who is the Director of Community Learning and Love at Guru. We cover a lot of ground on this episode, we will talk about how they turned their conference into an event series that lasted all summer, how he chose which business metric to prove community success with, and how they're taking their C2C events virtual until they can bring them back to local cities post COVID. Take a listen.
2: Chris, could you describe what Guru is and what exactly you do in your role? So, Guru is a knowledge management solution for all of your company's internal knowledge. We really focus on making all that information that your teams need to do their jobs accessible right in their workflow. So whether you work in a support ticketing tool like Zendesk or you're in Salesforce or Slack or LinkedIn or the slew of other apps that you might be working in, you can find all the answers that you need to actually do your job right in Guru without breaking your workflow. So. At Guru, I'm the director of Community Learning and Love. Uh, so we're a small but mighty team that focuses on building our customer community, but also we run programs around customer education, customer advocacy, and customer marketing as well.
1: Love that. Yeah, you don't have a lot of people
2: with uh, love in their title, but I think it's very apt for people that are in community. <laughs> I was fortunate to be able to, to uh, name the team because we we created it uh, a little over a year ago and got some help from folks on our brand team to figure out the name that, that felt appropriate. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's
1: that's fantastic when you can build from the ground up and kind of going off of that, you know, different communities have different bases that that make up the people It could be customers, it could be potential people that could use the product, it could be just people, you know, ancillary um, in the industry. What's the kind of breakdown of the people who make up your community? Is it a mix of customers, prospects, something else?
2: Yeah, yeah, we went through that exercise early on to really, um, you know, work through the strategy and the purpose of the community, and really understand who's it for, who can get the most value, and make sure we didn't spread ourselves too thin. And that was a mix of, uh, you know, learning from internal stakeholders, taking a deep dive into our company goals but also just interviewing our customers and and some internal folks as well. And where that all shook out was that our customers, uh, there was the most need and most alignment to both where they kind of would get value from community, and also where as a business, we could really align uh, really tightly to some of our top level goals. So, our customers are our number one group in our community and by far the primary focus. To a much lesser extent, we do, there, there are cases where we bring in kind of late stage prospective customers who are really interested in, in connecting with existing customers. So, we, we allow for that, but it's not at our current point, it's not something that really drives our strategy. I think down the road, we, we definitely have um, ambitions to uh, build out more of, uh, you know, our partner ecosystem, our developer community, and and lots of other ground. But uh, where we're at right now, it's really 100% focused on our customers.
1: Right. So yeah, it made sense, like, you were able to, you know, achieve the goals that you need to tie back to for the business. And of course, if you do your customers, you already have like a seed of people to start start community with. So yeah, it sounds like, you've said, hey, we wanna stay focused on this particular group and eventually we'll expand it out but kind of service one group better than everyone, less so, (laughs) I guess.
2: Yeah, you can't boil the ocean. So, you know, we wanted to really make sure that uh, we were being deliberate about you know who who the community is meant to serve and making sure that as we were designing programs that it was really aligned well to what we believed from from kind of everything that we've learned and observed and through talking with customers where they would find value and again making sure that tied directly to to value that we could create for the business as well so it made sense to continue investing in it love that and now you've had you know in person
1: C2C events obviously not during covid but that's been part of your strategy as well I'm curious what you've done to adapt those in-person C2C events as you know now we're, we're all virtual. What have you uh, done and what have you learned through adapting
2: is you know, a good way and maybe some potentially bad ways <laughs> uh, to take those online? I've been constantly learning and I'm still learning so I, I wouldn't say we have it all figured out but it, it was interesting timing wise. Um, we held our first conference in 2019 and that was something I did actually prior to spinning up this this team that I lead currently. So in March we were just a couple months away from our second annual conference uh, in May. And we had also just, we had done a lot of testing in 2019 around a user group program, and we had recruited user group leaders. We had two really good hubs already in San Francisco and New York, which are our most densest population of customers. But we had uh, user group leaders who had signed up and were ready to roll in about six other cities. All of that was right around the time that that COVID hit in March. So we had to kind of pivot on both fronts pretty quickly. Um, for the And those are the two, the two main programs that kind of make up our in-person uh, aspect of our community. So for the conference, that was like priority number one because it was a big production and there was a lot of uh, dependencies and we had to move quickly on that. So we made the decision pretty quickly to shift entirely to to virtual after we had ran a bunch of other scenarios of hybrid and all kinds of other things. You know, early on, we just didn't know how things were going to shake out. And I think the way we our, our t- traditional conference is is about three days. And when we thought about it, we were like, you know what? It doesn't seem realistic. None of us in our team thought it's like, oh, if we were asked to attend a two-day conference and be glued to our screens for two days, would we do that? Have any of us done that? Have any of us experienced anything like that that was actually valuable? That we And all of us were just like, no, it's just a much different environment being in person at a conference versus being at home on on your computer. So we decided to basically pick the most... What we felt were the most relevant and timely topics that were going to be delivered at the conference and distill it into a, we did a, I think it was about a two and a half hour program and we called it Remoticon. So we said, you know, this isn't our standard Empower conference, so let's not call it that. And we called it Remoticon, picked our most, um, again, kind of highest, what we believe to be our highest value uh, topics and really kind of centered our promotion around driving attendance for that. And then we worked in some other elements to make it fun and interactive. We did like a daybreaker party earlier in the morning before that where people could like see a live DJ and and do some yoga um, just to make it it more fun. And then we did most of it live, a little bit pre-recorded, but 95% of it was live. And it went off really well. I think people really appreciated the kind of thoughtfulness that went into both the content selection and just the design of the program. So that's how we shifted for that. And then we had at that time, you know, another two two and a half days worth of content and speakers lined up and I'm like, gosh, we don't want to make this, you know, we don't want to just kind of Roll that over a whole year, so we basically came up with a strategy where we divided uh, those contents and, and ho- hosted them on roughly a weekly basis um, throughout the summer. We just wrapped up a couple weeks ago, and we called that remote So it was remote acon, and then remote kind of playing off the wow. you know remote theme. Yeah. So we just held those as as uh, one off virtual events uh, per session. You know, each of those had a different topic, different speaker, obviously, and just uh, really catered the design of each of those to be you know work well for, for a virtual event um, and promoted to the folks that were most interested in that topic. So, you know, overall, I think that went really well and now we have lots of great content um, that we're uh, continuing to distribute out to our community afterwards. So that was kind of how we, how we shifted on the conference front. And we're still kind of figuring out plans for, uh, 2021, knowing that there's, there's a lot of uncertainty still. And what we did for our user group program is that we decided we did some qu- like early tests of like, Oh, maybe we can still do the city focused model and do, we call it Guru the Gathering. Maybe we can do Guru the Gathering in New York and just get all of our New York customers together. And then do the other cities and still kind of maintain that, that local feel. Right. And what we struggled with was getting enough attendance out to those to really f- feel like it was worthwhile. And when we st- stepped back after doing, I think we just did one of those tests, we're like, you know what? Does it make sense to really, where we're at currently, does it make sense now that we're in the really early stages of standing these cities up to try to do like individual events? And where we landed was like, no, let's like, let's delay that and just do one virtual event for our user group pro- program once a month. And just make sure those are really well executed, and kind of, you know, delay the user group model of making it really localized, since it's you know a much different feel when it's all virtual. So those have been going well. We've been doing those on a monthly cadence, um, and we're able to again kind of promote those to our entire customer base. And our customers have found a ton of value in those, which has been great. So that's that's where we're at. But we're also now kind of looking at okay. Is, Certain cities are opening back up, do we want to explore that so we 're still kind of doing those monthly virtual events, but also actively thinking about kind of looking ahead to q four Are we going to adapt that at all so yeah that's where we 're at right now
1: yeah that's super fascinating we've we 've heard lots of different things that people have done, you know taking larger and, and smaller events online, like you know shipping the food home so that way everyone can eat together, that kind of thing, but I love the idea of You're basically saying like, hey, this isn't our full conference. And is it that you had the Remoticon to help like say, hey, we're going to figure out what the full conference will be once we can have it kind of
2: thing or... Because it's not the it wasn't the full conference, right? No, it was just we did two sessions, um, but that was kind of the big event that we promoted, right? Because the one of the sessions was all around like how to support remote teams. So this was in May, and this was very we felt it was very relevant. So we got you know a handful of our customers um, who who really have a history of doing this really well. So we had you know Slack and a few others um, who were really thought leaders in that space, and we just. You know, interview them in the other session. which we thought was really relevant was how do you empower your your kind of distributed teams with all the knowledge they need to do the job? And we got uh, Dana, who heads up knowledge management at Shopify, and she gave an amazing talk on that. So yeah, we we were really selective. Uh, so it wasn't really a conference, but we took kind of what would have been, you know, one of, a couple of the bigger keynote talks and and put them into a virtual event um, to kick off the the remoteathon sessions as well. Fantastic, and. On the, uh, the user groups, we,
1: we, which we like to call C2C uh, over here, for those, are you thinking, I'm sure you're, you know, figuring it out as you go with all of this happening, but do you think, so now you have them, you know, one larger event uh, a month where everyone joins, and then it sounds like maybe you could use that, like, to transition back into, like, cities in person once, you know, obviously we, we get there. Is that the general idea?
2: Absolutely. We want to pick that back up as soon as it's safe to do that. And as soon and we, we also know that that might not be a one size fits all transition, right? It might be safe in certain areas and not in others. Right. So we want to be really adaptive to that based on the, the customers that are going to be leading those. But we also don't want to push for that too early. So we're trying to kind of walk that balance and keep the conversation going with our customers um, to, to see when that's going to make sense and not, uh, not rush it. Absolutely. Sounds like you're doing all the right things there.
1: So we had mentioned earlier about, you know, making sure that you were tying back uh, the community efforts to, you know, the top line goals of the business. And, you know, that's something that a lot of community people struggle with. Uh, could you break down, you know, as, as much as you can share how you went about, you know, finding what those, what those goals are and, you know, tracking and, and measuring them to make sure that you were uh, hitting it, improving the value of community?
2: So I think we had some early hypotheses around like what, where we could have the most impact, just and we as a company, we're pretty good about having really explicit OKRs outcomes and, and key results, which we revisit on a quarterly cadence. So going into that exercise, you know, I, I really believed I think we can have the most um, impact on customer retention and potentially customer expansion, and I can talk more about that. But we didn't want to just assume that. So again, we went and interviewed a lot of our our customers that were highly engaged, who we believed would be um, really excited about being part of the community and asked them, you know, what are and presented a bunch of different things from product feedback to connecting with other folks, thought leadership, you know, kind of ran the gamut of what, what would you really find the most value in. It? And sure enough, um, what bubbled to the top was customers really wanted to learn from one another how they're leveraging Guru. How are you using it? How are you rolling it out? Not so much the the functional, how does this feature work, but You know, how are you distributing this information to your teams at the right time? How are you using this feature, you know, to get all that internal information out in the, in exactly the right time? How do you, you know, decrease repeat questions in Slack? Some of these more strategic questions. There was just that really strong appetite for learning those insights from other customers. So then I took that and said, okay, well, we know that higher product engagement higher feature utilization, um, those all bode towards increased expansion, reduced churn, reduced contraction. We have the data to back that up. So it seems like that's a really, really good fit. And then in our business model, what happens a lot of times is a company will purchase Guru for a discrete need. They'll say, hey, we really need to solve this problem in our support team or in our sales team or in our CX team or what have you. And then inevitably what happens is they realize that, oh my gosh, knowledge management is a company-wide problem that we need to address. And this could have so much value if it was in our engineering team and our product org and our HR team. And then inevitably, we end up going company wide. So I think that was the the kind of secondary uh, goal is that if, if through the community, we can expose our customers to all these different ways that they're leveraging Guru, that can help really accelerate that expansion track. So those are the two kind of company outcomes, which even though I mentioned we reevaluate OKRs on a quarter-to-quarter basis, those are pretty evergreen. It just takes different, different kind of uh, tweaks to them. Um, so that's really where we have anchored our focus for how we're adding value through the community. Fantastic. And
1: you know, I believe that you're uh, expanding the impact of community into product as well. And I'd love to hear not just you know, how you're doing that specifically with products, but how you look at and prioritize, because obviously there's, there's many areas that the community could impact. And, you know, you just gave a great example of like, hey, we had existing metrics that supported us going after this specific case. So... How do you look at and prioritize like, okay, this these are the next areas within the business that we wanna impact with community?
2: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up product because that's one that's kind of uh, bubbled to the top uh, recently and it's happened really organically because I mentioned we did those customer interviews. One of the things that customers were also really interested in, and, and we had also seen this even historically, uh, we used to run, um, and we actually still run them, but even prior to formalizing a community team and function, we had these, uh, what we call customer summits, where we get a, a, a small, a small group of our customers together. We used to do it in person. Now we do it online, where we would just share, "Hey, here's what's coming down the pike on the the Guru roadmap." let me get your feedback on that. It was very, very interactive. And in those sessions, uh, customers would, would really love sharing their ideas and giving feedback and voting and saying, oh, this feature is really exciting because of X, Y, and Z, and here's our use case, et cetera. So that whole kind of appetite for giving product feedback and being really engaged in terms of how we build that roadmap collaboratively, that was something that was also really kind of stood out as a interest area among the community. And um, our product team is really, luckily, really um, welcoming to that feedback and they're really looking for that. So we've, we've got a nice flow set up in our community already and we this is one of our most active channels where whenever an idea comes in or a piece of feedback comes in, we automatically route that to an app called Product Board, which our product team uses to kind of prioritize feedback and so forth. So I think that's one area that is, um, I expect we'll continue to bolster and iterate on. The other really uh, area that I'm uh, our team is actively working working on right now is getting a public facing gallery of what are called guru cards. So in our tool, all of those pieces of knowledge or in other tools, you might think of them as articles. They're organized in different ways throughout guru and different customers use those in different ways. And there's been a lot of uh, interest in, as I mentioned before of like, oh, how do other customers do this? How do, how do these guys do a competitive battle card or how do these do a SOP or how do, how does someone else do this type of piece of knowledge? Um, and also, on the other side, our prospects are really interested as well. Once when, when a company is kind of evaluating Guru, they're like, oh, well, let me see some examples. So, our team is now uh, launching a template gallery, which you can see there's examples of that and lots of other companies that have been successful. And we think that'll be really sticky to both, you know, ultimately, we're, we're doing a kind of a V1 test, but we've already worked closely with our product team to say, hey, if we can validate the interest, especially among prospects, and it can drive account signups, then we want to We have some tentative plans for how we can product that and move some of that kind of gallery exploration experience directly in the application itself.
1: Wow, that's super fascinating. So you're essentially like crowdsourcing, you know, these different different templates and, you know, I guess what would be popular as well through the community and then obviously pushing that out to new and existing customers so like hey these are the templates
2: and other you know setups that s- people have that are similar. Yeah, exactly. And from my perspective, it really it kind of meets that that core charter that I mentioned earlier in terms of how can we impact retention and expansion because you know, showing all those examples will directly help customers kind of understand, oh my gosh, I could, let me copy that template. Oh, that'll help us if I want to go and talk to this other department head about using Guru. Oh, now I have some cool examples that I can show them. So I think it'll save time and really help it make, that, make it that much more sticky uh, for our existing customers. And then again, uh, for our, in terms of driving signups and more of our top of the funnel goals in the sales side, that's, that's also what we're hoping to impact through this as well. Awesome. Well, that was a jam packed 20 minutes or so.
1: But we like to end the podcast on a little lighter note. Um, We would love to know
2: what is a community you love? And why do you love it? couple come to mind. Obviously, CMX. I've been a huge CMX fan uh, since the early days, ever since I kind of got into the community space. Uh, so really appreciate everything David and the team does there. I think the other one that's been really fascinating for me recently over the past six months or so um, is called Revenue Collective, which is a really cool community. It's it's a little bit different, actually. It's a paid membership model, lives in Slack primarily, but they uh, prior to launching in a Slack community, they had lots of great in-person events, and now they're doing lots of uh, virtual events. But it's really, Designed for anyone who is on a kind of customer-facing team, so this is uh, sales leaders, CX leaders. I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm, there's not a ton of community leaders in there, but uh, but I, I really get a lot of value in there. Operations leaders and so forth. And it's a really, really active community which has been uh, really refreshing and I I just think they've done a great job at, especially with the moderation. They've recruited community members to be channel moderators and they've really set them up for success. Um, And I've been fortunate because I've been able to partner up with Sam who leads that community and we've actually rolled out guru within the Slack community to kind of capture community knowledge as it's being shared, which is a challenge a lot of communities face is like, oh my gosh, there's all these great conversations, but a new member who joins might not know how to search and that knowledge might get lost. So we're actually, we've kind of partnered up to roll guru into the Slack community so that all that knowledge uh, can be easily accessible for members at any time
1: yeah, that's how you know you're a true community person when you realize like, oh, wait, let me do this other thing with uh, this this other community that i'm that I'm just a member of. That's that's
2: a sign of a true community community person right there, yeah, yeah, it's a fun collaboration. So it's both like, you know fun because it you know works for guru, but it's also a community I get a lot of value out of. Love
1: it. Well, Chris, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Really, really helpful and insightful.
2: Absolutely.
0: Thanks for having me, John. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. That's b e v y l a b s. dot com slash pod.